Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster. I am Chris Marone. Hey, Chris. It's so good to see you back this week. I know for me, I am enjoying being in the middle of the football season. Oh, yes. The Supreme Court season just started up, but apparently murder is always in season. So we're going to talk a little bit today about some gruesome murders that are out there. But first, I need some help here on a couple of matters that I have been struggling with. And I know I you're, you. you're my person. You, This is better than therapy. It's cheaper than therapy. Uh, <laughs> so the first one is we are having a debate, me and a couple other people, my son being one of them, uh, as to... Have you heard the phrase, when a team loses, oh, well, it was a moral victory. Have you heard that phrase? I, yes. I think there's a lot of words that get thrown out there that mm -hmm. we have no idea why those words came to be. And it, we were thinking about this, and it's like, yeah. is it really a moral victory? You, you lost. Don't you mean a boost in your morale victory? What is it? We say Ooh. moral victory. We do. But is it really a moral? You, you, uh, we, we were curious. Any thoughts? Yeah. So I think any time that you played the Patriots in the late 90s, early 2000s, and you lost, it was still a moral victory because they were big cheaters. Okay. And so they cheated to win. So it, it literally was a moral victory, right? You didn't resort to cheating, though you lost. Actually, you won, Chris. You, you held the high ground. I think you inadvertently stepped right into the, the correct answer. I have no idea how you did that. You, you you must have cheated. Were you Googling that? No, man. This is, I mean, anytime you play Thomas J. Brady, it is a moral victory. Okay. So I actually looked it up, and this is the definition of a moral Ooh. victory. A defeat that can be interpreted as a victory on moral terms. Oh. Now, when I heard that, I thought, what? On moral. moral terms? What does that mean? Well, it then explained. It said, for example, because the defeated party defended their principles now Ooh. normally i would say that's hogwash you didn't defend your principles you lost that's all it was you <laughs> lost a close game there are no principles you were defending you brought up probably the one example where, for you. where someone might be defending their principles by not cheating so kudos to you hey man i stepped right into that one that was a a solid victory to start off the day. I still think that it's wrong. I think they really mean a boost in morale. That's how oh, they, they normally do. mean. When you lose a yeah. close game, hey, our morale is boosted because we played well. You didn't mm -hmm. defend some kind of moral principle that you had right. growing up or that your religion teaches you. No. no. You lost a close game, so you're on your way to cashing in your check later on with your next contract. All right. <laughs> so, But I do think, I think you're right, though. I, I always viewed, like, moral victories in the courtroom. Or moral victories, like in discussions with friends or something to that effect. I never really viewed a moral victory in a sports game. Right. And don't you normally view or, it as a boost in morale? Not that course. you, I stood by my principles and I refused right. to cheat. Right. You look at like um, Brock, Brock Purdy coming in after Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo go down. And he, and you know, or the, um, sorry, totally lost it. The NFC Championship game. Right. Brock Purdy coming right. in after the injury. He has right. nothing. He has a noodle arm. It was a moral. It was a morale victory to see Brock Purdy come back in in that yes. last 30 minutes to try to lead the drive against the Eagles. Right. In other words, you, you did well. We think there's hope for the future because right. we look good in our defeat. And so we think, yeah, we lost. But there are reasons why we can correct those reasons down the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In, in any yeah. event, uh, you, you actually inadvertently got it. You nailed it on the head. All right. I, you know, inadvertently is the mm, 
<laughs> I just nailed it, Joel. All right. Nailed it. I I hope you nail the second one as well because <laughs> I am having some Pressure. marital issues here and you are going to help to uh, save my marriage here. I'm sorry, Wendy. So the Christmas season is uh, upon us. Uh, no, no, it's not. No comment right there. But it is. I mean, I, it was back in July. I actually went into, I think it was Hobby Lobby. Again, I was drugged there. Not, I did not go there on my own will. Mm -hmm. uh, it was against my will. Not only did they have Christmas decorations up selling, they were playing Christmas music. Two weeks ago, I went into, I believe it's J.C. JCPenney's or Kohl's. They were playing Christmas music. Christmas season is here. Deal with it. All right. Now, on to my point here. So, we, I, we live in a neighborhood where a lot of people okay. put up Christmas lights, and we don't want to break our legs ourselves, so we hire these people to come out. So they came out yesterday and put up our Christmas lights. This isn't even Halloween yet, right? Cool. But they put up Christmas lights on their house. Now, they, it makes sense that they did that. But here's my point, and this is where we have our disagreement. That's such a good idea. I, I'm going to take out our Christmas tree and, and start decorating our house. We won't turn on the lights until after Thanksgiving, but at least we can get them out there to get ahead of the game. My wife said that's nonsense, and we are not doing that. Chris, help me out here. You're my lawyer on this. Defend me. This whole situation is nonsense. It's <laughs> nonsensical. Um, y you know what, though? I, I fully believe that we don't yuck other people's yums on this podcast. So, Joel, if you want to go and put up your Christmas tree and start decorating and Yule logs and stockings and all the things that enjoy Christmas, you do you, bro. That's like, right. I don't think I think that also if you're already putting everything out on the outside of your house, might as well go for broke, right? That's what I, that's what I'm go, saying. Enjoy it as long as possible. And then our next year I'm going to say we should even take it down in the first place. Don't that's take a, it. that's a whole nother matter. Ooh, uh, this one step at a time. So, one thing that Megan and I learned over the last few years is we have changed out all of our Christmas decorate Christmas lights to LED lights. There you go. So, so we don't have like the little, you know, the little round bulb thingies that hang down ours are all led lights well led lights you can program different colors too yes so we leave them up year round right now they're on the orange and purple and black colors and they're doing their thing and then around thanksgiving we're going to do the gold and brown and yellow colors and they're going to do their thing and then we just change it up to the reds and greens and whites and they're going to do their thing when the chiefs are playing you got red oh, yeah. and yellow being uh, the lighting yeah, oh, yeah appropriate when the atmosphere Right, we have the we have the red and gold year round. Well, I can't think of a better segue to talk about murder than that. So, True story. Let, let's go to the vault because I have been doing a lot of digging, Chris. I am doing a class on uh, true crime. Now, you might be wondering, Joel, aren't you the comedian of law? What is so funny about true grisly crimes? A well, lot of Chris, things. First of all. The, the, who are the sick people actually paying money to attend this class? That's what I want to know. But Starbucks drinking white women. Hey, you know what? Just put it right. out there. It's all right. The money all spends the same. That's I am, a good demographic. I am really digging into a lot of this stuff. So let me just kind of set up some of these, these true crimes that I have found out there. So in 1982, there was a uh, David Harmon was married to Melinda Harmon. Now, Chris, this was a fascinating story to me because this all happened in my hometown uh, and so the, not just my hometown but 
my church, my college Ooh. as well. And so these wow. people ran in the same circles. It was fascinating to me to dig into the police record and hear names that were referenced in police reports. And I said, I, I know that person. That person is my pastor. I know that person. Mm -hmm. He was my Sunday school teacher. So here's what happened on this day, February 28th. 1982. Right. So David Harmon was the vice president of a local bank, Patrons Bank, which again, I worked at that bank building later on. Wow. Uh, so he was a vice president and his best friend was Mark Mangelsdorf. Now, when I say best friend, so they woke up this morning at, um, uh, well, prior to eight o'clock, David left his house at eight o'clock that morning to go play racquetball at court sports with Mark. Now, again, I have done that myself. I've played racquetball there in the morning at Core Sports. It was the main place you'd go in Olathe back in that time period to get some exercise in the morning. So they played racquetball. Maybe my Sunday school teacher played with them, Chris Luanis. I don't know Ooh, because maybe um, Chris, my old Sunday school teacher, was a huge racquetball player. I played him and he whipped me up. Amazing. I just he, he's great. He ran in these same circles. All right. So nonetheless, that was at eight o'clock that morning. David then comes back to the house after racquetball with Mark. And now right. Melinda was up. Melinda woke up at nine o'clock that morning and they're just hanging out there at the house. David then goes off and plays field hockey. Have you ever played field hockey? No, but I hear it's intense. It, it's an, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and so but for some reason, Mark didn't want to play. So Mark stayed okay. back at the house. Now, right there, that's kind of odd. I don't know. I mean, if I'm going to go out there and play field hockey, am I going to leave my best friend at my house with my wife all afternoon? I don't know, I guess. But it uh, I mean, you could trust me with Wendy. I, you, I could mean, you could trust. I'm not going to go play tennis with you in the afternoon. We're going to hang out. And we're going to drink lattes and hang Christmas lights. There, there you go. And so maybe it's not that big of a deal. So <laughs> David comes back, uh, you know, after lunch, and I mean, then they have lunch, and um, I mean, they, he went to go play field hockey. Came back that evening, mm -hmm. and then okay. they had dinner together. The three of them had dinner. Okay. And then they watched TV together. This is getting really odd. And then at 10 o'clock, Melinda goes to bed. It's now past 10 o'clock, about 10.30, and about the time maybe Mark leaves the house. We don't know really when, but at some point in time after 10, Mark then leaves the house. Okay. Mm -hmm. 2.52, Melinda wakes up, and according to her report, two men there were in the room wearing masks, bludgeoning David, her husband, to death. Oh, my gosh. It's a gruesome scene, Chris. Yeah, I looked yeah, yeah. at the police photos this week. I thought when they released police photos, we would not actually see. Oh, not in the 80s. The dead oh, bodies. The we 80s. saw the dead body, the mangled up face. It was horrible. Uh, I did not like that at all. Uh, but I'm one of these people. I can't even kill insects. I don't like to see dead things, but whatever. So uh, the, the she then wakes up and then she goes to her neighbors. They, she lived in a duplex here in Olathe. She goes to her neighbors and that's where the police come and the police ask her what happened. And she relayed the story of these, these two men were there and they pulled me out by my hair from the bed. I could hear my, my husband gurgling mm. what she's told the police report. She, they pulled her by the hair down the stairs and they said, where are the bank keys? See, there had been a bank robbery Ooh. earlier, and so the, they, they wanted the bank keys to go to Patron's Bank to maybe rob Patron's Bank. Okay. And so uh, she shows them where the bank keys were. They knock her out. They hit her, and they knock her out. When she comes to, she then goes across you know, to the, her, the neighbors, and they call the, the cops who, who then come to the scene. Mm -hmm. Okay. A, about 
15 to 30 minutes later, somewhere around 4.15, no one really knows quite for sure when Mark shows up to the house. Okay. Why? Why would Mark show up to the house at 4.15 in the morning? It seems like they've just been hanging out a whole bunch. Like 4.15 a.m.? I don't know. So so I have not gotten to that part of the police report. It might not even be in the police report, is what you're about to learn. But uh, one of the policemen who noted this in his report said, and Mark had wet hair. So he apparently took a shower. So here's my thought. One, they were close friends. And so Melinda called Mark and said, hey, something's happened. Come over here. David's been bludgeoned to death. Okay, let me take a shower first. Right. Well, of course. I, I, I'm going to be there all day again. I need Chris, to be fresh and clean. Again, if your wife calls me and says, hey, Chris has been bludgeoned to can, can, can you come over? I'm not taking a shower first. I am rushing over there. However my hair looks, I'm going to be on the scene to help out. Mm-hmm. The, the shower is that. weird. The, the shower is weird. Yeah, don't you like talking about your death? It's always kind of fun. Well, no, but I appreciate the love that you would share for my wife and her time in need after you bludgeoned me to death. <laughs> there you go. So, no, I'm assuming that he did not bludgeon him to death. I'm just saying that that is weird. You, you yeah. don't take a shower in that kind of scene. You, or you just don't show up right. at 4.15 a.m. And that's just kind of a weird thing. But he shows up. And then the police say, we need to kind of take your statement. Let's go to the police station. And so, and so Melinda... The next door neighbor and Mark head out to the police station where they are going to then interview uh, Melinda about what happened. She gave mm-hmm. the same kind of story. All right. So then later on, she is a uh, um, she leaves the police station and they want to go back and look at her fingernails. Okay. So because they want to see, well, were you involved in some kind of tussle? They didn't want to, you know, just come right out and ask that we want to look at your fingernails. So they used right. some pretense, and the cops actually admitted this in the police report. This is not my take. The police said, yeah, I just used a pretense to go over and talk to her about some detail that I already knew about, but I wanted to see her fingernails. Well, there was nothing under her fingernails, and so okay. uh, apparently that was okay. They then come back at 9.30 in the morning to my pastor's house. I saw the name Pastor Paul Cunningham. I thought, that's kind of weird. There's my pastor. She went to his house to hang out there. I say hang out. Obviously, probably to be right. counseled, consoled, consoled yeah. things like that. Uh, and so um, that's where they they'd go over to get her to sign off on, on these warrants to go search her house and her cars and things like that. Okay. So then two days later, March 2nd, the police come back to her house uh, where she was staying. The person, and she said, we want to talk to Melinda. We have some, a few more questions. The guy at the door says, no, this is not the time. Shut the door, locked it on the police. That's a fair, fair police, account. Police just kind of hang out there for a little bit. And then the dad comes back, uh, Mr. Lambert. And there are some not some nice things that are being said about Mr. Lambert in these police reports. They uh, said he mm. was a bully. He was obtusive. Uh, he ran the whole show. So they said, we want to talk to your daughter. He says, you're not talking to my daughter. Now, in fairness to him and in fairness to Melinda, this also was around the time of the funeral. So they, the, the cops either didn't really pay attention to when the funeral was, but they did show up right there where the whole funeral process was going on. And so, uh, yeah, if, if they came and talked to my daughter, I'd be really ticked off as well. Mm-hmm. But they said, we want to talk to your daughter. And he said, well, you're not going to do it without me. 
Chris, I know you've had some experience in law enforcement. And I say in with law enforcement. With. Mm -hmm. Is that normal that a what would you do if a if a suspect's dad said, no, you're not going to talk to her without me present? If she's underage, that's a different deal. But she's in this married, case, she's 24, 25. Right. So she's she's overage. It depends on what what my end goal is. If if she's not the main suspect, right? If her dad will help her feel comfortable in the room to open up or feel safe to open up, right? We're we're looking at this woman who had her husband bludgeoned to death in front of her, which is a very traumatic experience for most people. That maybe her father in the room will help her feel safe to be able to share some um, details and whatnot. In this situation where the dad is kind of a jerk um, and overbearing, I would sit his ass down in a chair and I would go take her wherever I wanted to go take her because she's a grown adult. All right. So they the cops said, well, we didn't even have an option. I mean, he was that mm -hmm. much of an influence in the, on the scene. It's like if we didn't let him come. We yeah, would not be able to talk to the daughter. So they, they allowed yeah. him to come. So now they're at the police station and the dad's in the room with Melinda. And and um, they said, well, Melinda, we want you to waive your rights to an attorney. Well, you, you have a right to an attorney. Will you waive them? She signs off saying, yes, I will waive my right to an attorney. <sighs> and then they ask her some more questions. And, on, and then all of a sudden, they go, well, hold on a second. Am I a suspect? Well, uh, mm -hmm. or actually the dad said, is she a suspect? And it's like, well... Uh, yes. Yeah, she's a suspect. She said, well, but I'm a suspect like everyone's a suspect. And they said, the police said, uh, no, we actually think that you are. <laughs> uh, we're looking at you. You are very much of interest here. You are. We are looking at you. Which the dad then said, well, in that case, she needs a lawyer. We're stopping this right now. Okay, Chris, watch this. Follow this. Good job, dad. The dad then gets up with Melinda and they leave the room. Okay. You got me? Got you. You, you saw what just happened there? I'm tracking. Now, it's I'm tracking. important to note that this proceeding here was recorded. Okay, I'm tracking. It's been lost and destroyed. So we don't really know who said what when. Lost. Right. There have been a lot of things destroyed. that have been lost and destroyed in this case. But I'm yep. just saying right now here, in this, as you're hearing this timeline, um, yeah. what I just relayed to you is based upon a police report. As far okay. As I don't know if you caught it, but the issue is who asked for the lawyer? Right, dad. Was it the Daddy dad or mm -hmm. was it Melinda? Did Melinda right. say, okay, I do want my lawyer after he said we're getting a lawyer? Was right. there some statement like that? We don't mm -hmm. know. Chris, that happened March 2nd, 1982. Do you want to know when the next time the police talked to Melinda was? Tell me it was like late 90s, early 2000s. 2001. Almost oh, yeah. 20 years later. Shocking. Now, they show up to her house because there had been some developments along the way. No, no, one development was they found some love letters between her and Mark. Now, they found these way back when. I mean, 1982-ish, right? Mm -hmm. So they knew that, that Mark and her had something going. And that normally, that would be a motive for murder. But here, the thought was... But they never got together afterwards. So if there was something brewing between the two, Mark and Melinda, such that Mark would bludgeon his best friend to death, wouldn't they then get together afterwards? Or was this just something that's like, oh, yeah, I bludgeoned him to death. Whoops, my bad. Turns out that wasn't a good idea. I mean, that, that's a little <laughs> odd that they right. never got together. And so the, the DA, the prosecutors, they didn't know what to do with that. Right, right, All right. right. So 
Fast forward 20 years. They show up in her town now in Ohio. She has remarried. She has family. She has kids. Okay. And they don't really know about her past. Her neighbors definitely do not know about her past. Her schools that her kids go to do not know about her past. So they show up, three of them, knock on her door and say, it's time that we talk. Chris, let's stop and pause right here. Time. <laughs> I know 20 years has passed. Right. But if she had an attorney, why are you talking to her without going through her attorney? Does she still have the attorney? The attorney is still alive and well. Does Ooh. the attorney still represent her? Well, there was never a, a, anything filed here. The charges right. were not brought against her. Yes, the attorney on a couple of occasions entered his appearance. I say entered loosely. I mean, loosely. talked yeah, yeah, to yeah. the police on, on her behalf. So her lawyer right. did talk to the police on her behalf. But there wasn't a court proceeding officially. So once you sign away and you waive your right to an attorney, how then do you say, I changed my mind? And is it ethical Ooh. for the cops or for the DA to be behind this move to go talk to her without her attorney present? Well, I mean, it's, gosh, if, if I were her attorney, I would rail on the police department and I would, I would pound the podium so hard for a violation of her rights. Um, well, here's what happened, Chris, on that. Let me just let me explain what happened. So yeah, during yeah. this meeting where they had the three police officers at her house in Ohio, according to her, they threatened her. They said, look, if you don't talk to us, we are going to tell all your neighbors. We are going to tell oh, your school. We're going to yeah, go to your school nope. right now. We're going to talk to them. They threatened her. Shocking. They said, look, you better talk now. And they said, by the way, there's no harm in talking. We know. We already know what happened. You were just a witness. This was Mark. This is what Mark did. You were just a witness to this. So right, do you right, want right, to right. be a defendant? Right. Classic. Classic or police. do you want to be just simply a witness? All right. Veiled threats, classic police. Yes. So all this is going on. Well, she says, okay, I'll talk to you. So they, they, by the way, all this conversation that I just talk, told you about mm -hmm. was not recorded. Now, of not because not. it was deleted. They didn't <clears throat> want to record it. Of course not. Does that make sense to you? Yes. What they said was the police said we don't <clears throat> want we didn't want to record because that sometimes causes witnesses to clam up and, and if there was a recorder in the room then they would just they would be quiet it would not be as as free witnesses. to share stuff but by, yeah. but then they want to take her to the police department where they're going to record it officially of course well that doesn't make sense so you did plan to record it you just didn't want to record this first part of the conversation where it was alleged you threatened her that you better talk i mean welcome to policing in america like, this is exactly how I would expect all the pretextual stops to go ahead and, and operate with. You there know, you we, go. And, we've, and we've talked about this many times on the podcast that the police have a very wide berth in how they investigate crimes up to and including falsifying and lying about evidence to get you to convict or to, oh. to confess. And so... Of course, they're going to use whatever tactics are in their book to strong arm you into doing the things that you want to do because they have the idea that you're the murderer. And so they start with an answer in mind and then work their way back rather than letting the evidence speak for themselves. And not all cops. I shouldn't say all cops, but commonly. The, right. I, I had this conversation with my son just yesterday where it's like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I like cops. Cops are good. Cops serve a very valid purpose in our society. I would not even want to imagine a society without cops. 
That doesn't mean there are not bad cops out there. And when you are subjected to a bad cop or a bad prosecutor, it seems like the whole world is crashing down around you. Uh, and mm -hmm. so if you want to hear the ending of this story, well, tune in next week. I'll give you the end of the story. But <laughs> this was a perfect oh. segue into our first conversation for the day. And that is your gal, Sydney Powell, pled guilty this last week. Mm -hmm. uh, you sent me this story. And so do you want to uh, unpack what happened before right. I just go crazy? Right. So Sydney Powell is an ex-Trump lawyer. Um, she was involved with the Trump campaign in the 2020 election where she and a few others led the um, discussion on election fraud, various uh, television outlets, various lawsuits against Dominion, various claims. And um, she was one of the 18 defendants that was brought as part of the RICO action in the uh, great state of Georgia. All right. And I believe that my take on these RICO actions mm -hmm. that it was baseless. I mean, this was right. very, this is not a criminal enterprise. This was an election. These were politicians mm -hmm. challenging an election. This is not a criminal enterprise. But this, this prosecutor, this DA was mm -hmm. being creative i guess in the way in which she wanted the law to be applied in this right. situation and so, so she brought job. these 18 charges well <laughs> some could say that trump and his lawyers are being creative in how they wanted to challenge an election i guess it's True. fair to, for her to be creative it's not fair for them to be creative but, but Every, everybody's being creative one is just criminal like <laughs> i i i come to work in a creative way to make money other people go figure out ways how to rob banks. We're both being creative. I'm just not in a criminal enterprise. The Trump organization is. And nor is challenging election. I have challenged several elections. I had no idea I was part of a criminal enterprise in, in doing no. so. But hey, you know what? This, this so uh, we'll go on with your story before I get on my soapbox. Sorry, because we're going to go back and forth on this. So Sidney Powell was charged in conjunction with all of this and decided to accept a plea deal that was to six counts of election interference um under which she would be placed on six years six seems to be her number six years of probation unsupervised uh no jail time uh a mediocre fine and she would be able to move on with her life rather than being into this trial which donald trump knowing the donald he's gonna milk this for every minute of media time he possibly can so let's unpack here what you just said because i think yeah. what you just said lays the is a, is a perfect example on how our system our legal system can be abused and so let me just unpack what happened here uh see if my take is accurate so sydney powell was a part of of 18 defendants facing these horrible charges i think these charges are totally baseless i know some other people would say there is a there is a basis for them uh mm -hmm. i this is just simply challenging an election that's all that this is i unpacked in a previous podcast they were being creative yes in how they did it this had been done before this is simply challenging an election that being said if if just facing these charges alone if think about it from her perspective mm -hmm. she is now kind of tied in with trump well, there's a lot of people hating she, on Donald Trump out there. So she, she she hitched her wagon to Donald Trump. She's not like casually tied in. Right, She's right. Hook, line, and sinker on the Trump team. But I'm saying if you had a juror and they hated Donald Trump, 
well, they're mm-hmm. also going to hate Cindy Powell. I mean, you, you can't yeah. separate that. And she knew that. Yes. She mm-hmm. knew that she had a prosecutor overly aggressive and zealous. And so mm-hmm. these are serious charges. I mean, we're talking multiple, multiple years in jails, what yes. she faced if, if they found her guilty of this. Uh, that being let's just ignore the possibility of her spending years in jail, losing the rest of her life. She'll go bankrupt. I mean, hiring an attorney to fight these cases, we're talking a minimum a hundred thousand dollars. I think closer to a million. It's I have no mm-hmm. idea how much money Sydney Powell has, but that's it's gonna be extremely expensive day for her just to defend her innocence if she was innocent against mm-hmm. these charges. So just going forward, it's gonna cost her hundreds of thousands of dollars. She faces, you know, the rest of her life is being spent in jail. She feels mm-hmm. like she's not gonna get a fair trial at the end of the day because she's in a Fulton County where they're not going to be very sympathetic and they're going to be very much anti-Trump. All that being said, they said, hey, look, why don't, here's an offer of, of plea. Mm-hmm. Slap on the wrist. What, what do you want? Do you want to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, possibly spend the rest of your life in jail, or do you want your wrist to slap? Chris. One of my favorite quotes from Denzel Washington in Training Day is, do you want to go to jail or do you want to go home? Exactly. And that's the choice. Right. So in my perspective, this is a no brainer for her to accept this plea. I probably would accept the plea if I were in her Mm -hmm. situation, because you get to move on with your life. Why spend your life? You know, why trade in even a day of your life for being in that courtroom when the, when the, the other option is just a simple, a slap on the wrist. That's, that's, that's a no brainer. But Chris, now I want you to talk to, because I know, see how, how I'm doing this. I'm trying to spin you against your own position. Mm-hmm. Talk to how this happens all the, not all the time, quite often in courts where prosecutors all the will time. use the threat of incarceration to mm-hmm. force you to accept a deal because you don't think you'll get a fair trial. I, I mean, it is more common practice to do that than to actually have a fair trial in America. Really? And, uh, 100%. The last case that I handled when I was living and doing some criminal defense work in California, and it still bothers me to this day, is we were um, Salinas, California, which is a very heavily um, uh, Latino gang area. The Norteños and Sereños are there. The, um, the Soledad prison is there and a federal prison is there where a lot of the gangs are situated. So their families and their cohorts live there. Uh, there was a gang party out in Soledad. Very clear, very clear. Lots of gang members, lots of guys that were on parole, lots of guys that were on probation, drinking drugs, guns, the whole nine yards, righteous busts by the police to come in and break up this gang party. Lots of violations of probation and parole and whatnot. The guy that I had, was an 18-year-old kid with no priors. He stood up on a table during the raid and was yelling, you have the right to remain silent and you have a right to an attorney. Okay. The cops arrested him for obstruction of justice. And we went to trial 18 months later. He sat in county jail for 18 months before we went to trial where 12 people found him innocent. Wow. But his life is already ruined. I followed this kid since that time. He's done an armed robbery. He's into drugs, all these things because he sat in jail for 18 months. His life was ruined because he was advising people on their rights. 
Yeah. And, just... and constantly the DA threw at us, right? I was just working as, I wasn't, I was just a baby public defender at the time, law clerk to start, and then a baby public defender. The cop, the DA threw like, oh, just take a lesser charge of trespassing or take a lesser charge. And this kid is like, I did nothing wrong. Right. But they railroaded him for 18 months, put him in the gang unit where other gang members were at, and now his life is ruined. Does that make any sense? We're going to no, take a person who has not a, done a crime and say, we're going to put you where you can talk about the different criminal mm -hmm. ideas with these other gang members. I mean, this makes no sense. I mean, you can look back on some of the more sensationalized stuff. Like if you look at like George Young, who was one of the biggest drug dealers in history, they made the movie Blow about him where like he was picked up for a marijuana charge and then he came out of jail with all these connections to get cocaine into the United States and all these. You, you look at the American justice system is not just. It is incredibly tilted against poor and um, immigrant families or lower socioeconomic classes to put pressure on them to just accept whatever criminal um, plea that they can get so they can get it done. Now, Sydney Powell isn't going to have a problem in the next six years because she lives in an incredible, wonderful world of privilege and money and, and ties and success. Obviously, she has ties to a former president, so she has access. If Chris Marone was charged with election tampering as part of the, the Trump crime organization, I would not be so lucky. If I took a plea deal and took the slap on the wrist, my life would be ruined. I would be disbarred. Yeah. I would have no way to, to support my family. No business or organization would come near me to hire me to do any, well, maybe Fox News. Um, but at the end of the day, if I take this lesser and included charges and I plead out, even if I'm innocent, I'm going to suffer either way for the rest of my life. Now, I what do think our system is just. I just, because I haven't mm. done some research and I'm not sure I know of a better system. I ran this last week. I was reading a book about Lincoln's last murder trial. And we'll all talk about that one of these days. Oh, the con oh, my gosh. And they were referring to the different ways in which throughout history trials have happened. One of them was you had to do certain feats. You know, like, mm -hmm. uh, can you hold on to a burning rock or something like that? If you right. didn't burn, that you meant you wait. were not guilty. If you weigh more than a duck, you're not a witch. Right. So <laughs> one of them was how many witnesses can you can you bring? Because whoever right. brought the more mo most witnesses obviously was the innocent party. Right. What? That's crazy. So I our system, I think historically, is probably the the best system out there. I don't know how uh, of a system that's better. That being said, that does not mean our system cannot be abused. And when it comes to people of disadvantage, uh, people who are marginalized and people who don't mm -hmm. have money, it most definitely can be abused against them. In this case, it's in my work. mind, is the classic example of how that plays out. You overcharge someone, you they face the threat of, spending thousands of dollars uh, in their defense, spending time in jail, wondering about it, maybe getting an unjust conviction and now having to spend the rest of your life in jail or take their plea and then move on with your life. That's how our system works way too often. And it, it is, it's unjust when it works that way. Well, and I, I think you can say that the American system is the most just system in the world. Great. But you can also say in the same breath that it is completely corrupt and is not just at all. Just because we are the most just in the world doesn't mean that we are are corrupt. And so there, there is not corrupt. Mutually, I agree there is not corruption. mutually exclusive. Thing. Just because the other countries haven't figured out a better way to do it doesn't mean this is the like 
comparison is the thief of joy and comparing like and and you see this a lot right if you don't like our if you don't like our country go live somewhere else no i don't like our country and i want to make it better for all of us that are here that that's like, i will I can, agree with that we I can, can make it I better i can make it better i don't need to leave and go experience something what someone else thinks is much worse to go no guys like it sucks here and let's right. make here better right i would not dismantle the system i would work to improve the system and we right. i think this is a classic example and as you pointed out she has options i mean she's probably a wealthy woman to begin right. with i have no idea but um she has options most of the people who fall victim to this do not have options the case i led off with involving melinda uh harman now melinda yeah. Raish might be an example of that where mm -hmm. you have to come back next week and find out how that story ended right. but she doesn't have options they are bending the rules they're going to attack her and not follow the rules not follow her right to counsel and try to trip her up in her words and then get some kind of uh you know settlement at the end of the day all right and what bothers me is you see these quote-unquote clear violations and people are okay with it so if we're okay with the clear violations we're totally not paying attention to the unclear violations that are just happening all over America, everywhere that people like, you know, you could pick your, pick your cases, right? Pick Ruben Hurricane Carter, right? The boxer who went to jail for most of his life for a murder yes. he didn't commit, right? That's a, that's a sensationalized case. You know, how many cases every year is the Innocence Project clearing that are wrongful convictions of people for things like murder, Right, and right. drug possession or rape or how many cases are sitting on the shelf right now waiting to get rape kits waiting to be tested that might be the mayor's son or might be you know some um aristocrat's kid or somebody who's in high society the the fact of the matter is that yeah you see sydney powell here and she's she's taking her plea deal and she's pleading to guilty it's not going to affect her life in the iota she's now going to have a better life because she's out of the trump spotlight who knows she might be vice president of my pillow right now i mean who knows right. what is in her future right. right and so the rest of the people that have to take this plea deal take a plea deal right a lesser and included charge their lives are ruined right their their job history they, they're gonna they're gonna be they're going to be subjugated into a, a constant um, judgment by employers and by state licensing boards for all of these things that they, they have quote unquote done because they did not have the money to defend themselves. All right. Well, let's um, move on to our next yeah, topic. Sorry. We have so much to talk about. This next one is an interesting update on the Brian Koberger murder oh, yeah, trial. Yeah. If you don't remember what happened to Brian Koberger's situation last January, uh, Koberger was charged with the murders of four University of Idaho students, uh, Kaylee Gonclaves, Madison Mogan, uh, Zaina Zernodal, and Ethan Chapin. And they were in Moscow, mm -hmm. Idaho, in a rental yep. home. And it was during the middle of the night, and these four were brutally murdered. Now, the interest there's so many interesting things about this case, but mm -hmm. the court put a gag order on it. So 
no information kind of leaked out. I was like, well, what's going on? Well, trial next year. That's basically all we knew. This is such a sensational murder. People wanted more information. It wasn't coming out. But now we have a leak. According to an online newsletter, Air Mail, a grand jury has been convened. And the it was leaked out that there were two roommates that were also in that house while the murders were going on. And, and what happened was one of the roommates opened up the door, saw a masked man in the hallway, shut the door, and then started texting with each other what was going on. So if you, if you haven't followed, let me just kind of summarize really quickly here. You have a mass murderer going through the hallway, killing four people. You have two other people there texting while this is going on. Chris, the first question I have is... Um, why didn't you take the time to call the cops? I know you're texting. Could you at least not call the cops and get someone there to help you guys out? There's so many questions here, but this is definitely an interesting development. Yeah, I mean, gosh, it, it, it in my head when I first read this, and I don't know why I disassociated it because I thought it was a dorm room and not a house. So I'm like, oh, it's just a big building. Like, you don't know what's going on. No, no, no. You were in a house. You were in a four-bedroom house. You were in a... 2300 square foot four bedroom house and there is a random dude in your house not in your dorm room not in your building not in your your vicinity in your house and he is murdering people like yes close the door lock the door but call i mean i could see calling your dad hey dad i don't know what's going on or calling a, a, a parent or something like maybe not the police right maybe i could see you not calling the police because what reasons but i some sort of cry for help that's outside of the four walls of your house. I don't want to be an old fuddy duddy, but mm -hmm. you are. Do you see this being a sign of the times where you had this younger generation and we constantly complain about how their heads are always down because they're on their cell phones. They, they live their life just on their phones the entire time. They're missing life. Mm -hmm. Is this not a classic scene of that? You have oh, four sure. murders happening. You're too busy texting about it. That you're not calling the cops. So police, former police, uh, Chicago police officer Steve Wilkos has said about this on his show this week in touch. He said, if I woke up and there was this strange mass guy, I don't know if I just shut my door and go back to sleep. So I'm looking forward to more details coming out <laughs> during the trial. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, at the end of the day, like. Who knows what people do when they're faced in that sort of panic situation? Right. I would like to believe that. Well, I mean, I know and I love my wife, but I I think that in a situation where someone would break into our house, like she would close the door behind herself and like wonder why the killer's still in the house. Like <laughs> just panic makes you do weird things. And you, when your adrenaline is pumping and it's the first time in your first you know time in your life when that's happening, you don't react deer and headlights is is one of the things that comes to mind i think that's so, what happened here yeah i so i don't know but it's gonna make for interesting murder okay this next story chris is shocking but it, we predicted it the alex murdoch verdict oh, yeah. i think is in serious jeopardy we already covered earlier that a motion for a new trial had been filed by murdoch's attorneys jim griffin and dick uh, harpotlian because the clerk, the, the, the clerk of the courts there in Hampton County 
really overstepped the bounds in what this clerk did was this clerk told um, uh, some of the, the jurors that, hey, look, you need to reach a quick verdict here and you don't have to believe everything that that mm -hmm. he um, he says. And then worse yet, lied, provided some misinformation to the court about one juror about what this what was posted on Facebook. The consequence yeah. of that was it got this juror kicked off of the jury and this was a pro Alec Murdoch juror. So that to me is the most damning allegation. If there was someone on the jury who was inclined to rule against uh, the prosecution and for Alec Murdoch and she lied about him and got him kicked off at the end of trial, that is huge. That's beyond huge. And that right there will warrant a new trial. And so yeah. uh, what happened this week is that the appeals court, in a way, agreed. And the appeals court said, look, yeah, we have, after some careful consideration, we are stopping the appeal. We're sending it back to the trial court so the trial court can hold a hearing about what was alleged here. So in other words, just because Murdoch's lawyers told this to the appeals court doesn't mean it's true. Yeah. But I think what the appeals court said was, if it's true, if there's fire to this smoke, then um, you need to have a new trial. Yeah, you do. You really do. Because this is like classic. I mean, again, this is there couldn't be a more clear cut way of abuse of power and abuse of authority than this right here. Like, yeah, you, you, uh, you can't do it. You have to you have to have a new. Trial. I, and I think Alex Murdoch is completely guilty of what he did. And I think he deserves to be in jail the rest of his life. But we have rules as a just society. And we need to make sure that those rules are followed. So here's what I don't understand. According to um, Murdoch's lawyers, they said Miss Hill did these things uh, to secure for herself a book deal and media appearances that would not happen in the event of a mistrial. Well, no, I disagree with that. She mm. was the court clerk. This right. would happen uh, in the event of a mis uh, Even if there was a mistrial, I assume that the lawyers said we want to litigate this in this courtroom. They made that decision. No, I, I sincerely hope they don't make that mistake a second time. If they do get a new trial, you need to file for a change of venue. You cannot mm -hmm. have this trial in Hampton County. And so, but that's because now we know the verdict. We know how quickly it took them to get to their verdict, uh, that they cannot overcome, you know, all the local knowledge here that, about the, um, uh, the, the Murdoch family. So they right. have to change venues. But that being said, she didn't need this quick verdict to um, secure uh, the book deal. She would have had the book deal no matter when the verdict happened. Right. And if you had a second trial, she probably would have an even bigger book deal. So I'm not quite sure I mm -hmm. understand that motive. Well, I want it now, daddy. Like I want the golden goose now. I want it now. Um, I also have to believe, and that maybe this is, this is rude of me and, and I'll own it. Um, she's not that sophisticated. She's not a criminal mastermind. She's not, you know, we're not dealing with, you know, Sydney Powell here. Um, what we are dealing with is someone who can see their golden ticket and they can see how close it is to them. They can almost touch it. And she wants it now. All right. I can direct it now. I have the power now. If these things happen, I do predict there will be a new trial. Oh, for sure. And I, I do predict they'll probably do a change, motion for change of venue. I do not foresee right. any kind of plea deal here because this is his shot 
to maybe getting out. And so if he can get a not guilty verdict um, in another location, as unlikely as that is, I, I think he's going to roll the dice on that one. Um, mm -hmm. So, hey, that's something for us to follow down the road. All right, Chris, it is now time for our courtroom quarterback segment. Let's do it. All right, so this is a sign for you non-football fans to, you can sign off now. Hey, give us a five-star review. Come back next week. But that mm -hmm. being said, for those of you who love sports like I do, uh, we mm -hmm. have a few minutes here to talk football. And so, Chris, I know there's a couple of items we talked about pre-show that you were very important to you. I know Papa Kelsey being back on the scene now and getting mm -hmm. some love from Taylor Swift was huge for you. So, yeah, yeah now Papa Kelsey is now being shown right. with with taylor it. swift man like look and i don't want to spend all of our time here on taylor swift but um pava kelsey getting in on the love that i do watch the i do watch and i do listen to the new heights podcast which is the kelsey brothers it's enjoyable okay. right it's a, it's a fun look at, at what's the second going best on. podcast out there second best podcast out there maybe third um but they did talk a lot about how cool it is like these guys are some humble dudes like the kelsey brothers right Travis Kelsey is going to be one of remembered as one of the best tight ends in the game. Um, Jason Kelsey, you know, he broke the record last week for consecutive games played as an Eagle at 145, but they're humble dudes. Um, and they're, they're genuinely happy to see their parents like getting a lot of this notoriety and getting a lot of this like media attention. Cause to them, their parents are rock stars and they deserve it. And they sacrifice so much for them. So I, that's the cool part. I like about the Papa Kelsey Taylor Swift story. I do wish I could get a ticket to their Thanksgiving Day table. I'm sure that'd be a lot of a lot of fun. Hey, Aaron right. Rodgers is in the news because Aaron Rodgers just simply can't go away. But apparently, he's a medical marvel, making an extremely <laughs> quick comeback. And the the rumor out there is that Aaron Rodgers might make it back in time for the postseason. Chris, why? I got to throw this out there to you. If you made the postseason without Aaron Rodgers. Why would you want him for the postseason? Because you paid for him. Because you paid for him. Like, Think about it. You he is the regular season MVP postseason dud. Why you want him for the regular season? If no, Zach Wilson can get you to the postseason, why would you then say, "Hey, Aaron Rodgers, now we want you to come back so you can blow it your first week out"? Why would you do that? because you're the jets when you're a jet you're a jet all the way like that, it just i mean it, i don't think of a more new york jet thing to do than to have zach wilson who's arguably a a, a subpar quarterback um but he's a young subpar young, quarterback learning no, the ropes right he's had no leadership he's had nobody to go under he's had no one to to teach him the ropes um he came from a conference that really isn't a conference, right? Zach Wilson came out of BYU, so it wasn't like he was in the SEC or even the Pac-12 or the Big Ten. And so, you know, there's some development that needs to happen there. But if he takes the Jets to the playoffs, which they're AFC, it's not an easy road to the playoffs. for the. A it's not like the NFC where you can have a losing record, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, <laughs> and get to the playoffs. Like, this is going to take a little – even if they get to a wild card spot, it's going to take some effort on their half – don't put in the guy who's trying to like, I don't know. Just don't put in Aaron Rodgers ever. 
sit them. <laughs> and definitely not coach. the postseason. Go do your history. No. Look up what the Green Bay, Green Bay Packers did the last three to four years when they had right. home playoff games and everyone showed up but their quarterback. He played abysmally during those games. He right. is a regular season MVP postseason dud. And so dud. don't don't bring him back for the postseason. If Zach yeah. Wilson is good enough to get you there, ride that horse all the way through. Right. Hey, Detroit Lions, you think they are this year's feel-good oh story outside of the, the Swifties? Who, who? I mean, the Lions, man. They're Look, we need to give the devil its due. The Lions are 5-1, right? They, have, they are tied for the best record in the league with some powerhouses like KC and SF and Philly and Miami. Like, we slept on the we slept on the Lions because we're like, oh, it's a fluke, you know, it's it's the Lions, whatever. I'm saying right now that they may not be Super Bowl champions this year, but we need to look at the Lions and we need to start giving them a little more respect. Put some respect on the name. I, I agree. They are shocking us as they go. I know we played them right. first week of the season and they had a number the first round draft pick, which right now I cannot remember his name, but he was a first round pick last year mm-hmm. on defense. He is an amazing, amazing player. Now, hopefully he hits the freshman wall here, the rookie wall at some point in time, you know, levels out, especially if, before they ever play the Chiefs again. But we won't play them <laughs> until the Super Bowl. So uh, that's going to be a moot point. Um, but, you know, they're, they're, they are playing way better than expectations. Right. And I, I know you picked them last week. And last week you had a, I believe, a 4-2 and two record yeah. last week. I'm you are now – fit- 15 13 and one. So you are now over 500 for the year. I had a four and one record last week, and I'm now 17 and 16. So we both have now just barely peaked over 500. I am afraid to say that was last week. I felt good about last week's picks. I do not feel good about this week's picks. I looked at. Oh, man. Go ahead. I looked at the, the the lineup this week, and I went all the way up and down, and I said, I got to pick something, but I don't want to pick anything. So I, I'm yeah. going to tell you my picks with go. a caveat of do not put your money on these picks. But you should go ahead and do the opposite of every one. All right. Let's, let's, let's start off with the game of the week. Miami Dolphins versus yeah. the Philadelphia Eagles. The reason why this game is so fascinating to me is the quarterbacks. You have a Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. playing Tua. Now, those two guys are no strangers. They were on the same Alabama team, and Jalen Hurts was had won SEC Player of the Year, won a national title for Alabama. The very next year, Alabama is back in the championship game, and Jalen Hurts had a horrible first half, and yeah. so they yanked him. Nick Satan, I'm sorry, Nick Saban oh. yanked him from the starting line and put in freshman. Tua, who then led Alabama to another national title. Mm-hmm. And so that that's a huge changeup right there. But so I don't believe there's bad blood between these two. Jalen nah. Hurts then left uh, Alabama. He, he went. He stayed there another year. Fascinating year how he stayed with the team, was a good soldier, good good teammate, even though he wasn't the starter. But then he went to Oklahoma and had a great uh, season there. But mm-hmm. that still can be fascinating to see Tua against Jalen in this game. It's going to be Sunday night. Uh, Dolphins are two and a half a point favorite over the Eagles. Dolphins are many people's favorite picks to Mm -hmm. be in the Super Bowl because many people are stupid. But that being said, (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I have a hard time picking this one. I am taking the Dolphins plus two and a half over the Eagles because I am that big of a believer in Tyree Kill. For me, it's more... 
I mean, I think this is going to come down to a touchdown. Or no, I'm sorry, not a touchdown. I think it's going to come down to a single point, extra point, maybe a safety, maybe something. I think that these teams are are equally yoked. Yeah. And that I think it's just going to – I think you're right. It's the game of the week. I got – I've got all my – all my other stuff set aside so that way I can just watch Miami take on Philly. Last week, Philadelphia had the ball in the against the Jets, I believe it was, and yep. in the final minute had a chance to win the game. What did the Eagles do? I believe it was four and out. The mm-hmm. maybe they got one first down. I don't know, but they did not so, win the game. Yeah. They did not have a last minute drive. In fact, it was a pathetic attempt. Yeah. The Dolphins, meanwhile, rough. have the fastest guy on the planet. They're playing for them, wearing pads. And so when the game is tight at the end of the game, he will find a way to get open. Mm-hmm. You cannot stay on Tyree Kill. When he was a Chiefs, we loved him. We still think he's a great player, mm-hmm. uh, the, despite the fact that he left us. And then we won a Super Bowl after he left us. Hey, that's a whole other story. It is what it is. That's more of a commentary on the salary cap in football than it is Tyree Kill. We would love to have Tyree Kill, but he is the fastest dude on the planet. He will get open on that last-minute drive. And if Tua can stay vertical, he will find was Tyree kill and they will march down the field to win the game. So I am yep. taking two the dolphins uh, plus two and a half over the Eagles. I love that. That's a great pick. Cause I'm picking it too. There you go. All right. Uh, lions over the Ravens. I am taking the lions for some reason. I kind of knew you were going to be all a love affair over the lions. I, am. I don't know. I'm just not a big believer in the Ravens. I know the Ravens won last week and looked impressive, but I believe it's against the Titans. So who really cares? And they um, get three points. The Lions get plus three on the Ravens. Yeah. Like, look, what, why? Why is the NFL still sleeping on the Lions? They're five and one. Their schedule has not been easy. It hasn't been a cake. They haven't been playing Jacksonville for five games. Like, they've played some teams. Stop, stop disrespecting. My goodness. All right. So, so are you saying you also picked the Lions over the Ravens? I did. Three points, man. So you and I both on the first two picks are the same, whatever that means to the universe. uh, I think it means pick the other side, but whatever. Uh, Colts over the Browns. I, the Colts have lost their quarterback for the year, which is the best thing for the Colts. I mean, we've talked about this over and over the, the Colts drafted Richardson with their very first round draft pick. He was a quarterback out of Florida. I was not excited about that draft pick because Florida barely had a winning record in the SEC. The NFL is way better than the SEC. Sorry to you mm-hmm. SEC fans who thought I just was blasphemed your conference, but the NFL is slightly better than the SEC. So if he couldn't have a winning record in the SEC, why would he do better in the NFL? And you, you and I both accurately predicted he is going to get hit and hit hard because the NFL, when you are running quarterback, you have a short shelf life. And sure enough, he's already been injured out for the year. So maybe that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Again, he needs to sit on the sidelines and just watch the NFL develop rather than get his body beaten up and bruised up. And right. so I like the Colts over the Browns and why I have no idea. Did you pick that? <laughs> I, did you pick that game? No, I didn't even, didn't. not even a little bit. All right, nope. Ra- Raiders over the Bears. Who cares? But I think the Bears are that bad. So I'm going to take the Raiders minus two and a half over the Bears. All right. I'm down for that. And so my last two picks, and this one I actually feel the best about. If you were to ask me, Joel, of all these picks, which ones do you actually, would you put money on? Okay. OU minus 17 and a half over oh, wow. UCF. I know that's a huge spread, but I saw UCF play the KU Jayhawks. KU throttled them. 
UCF has no rush defense. I mean, this is a bad, bad team. Uh, and so OU only being a 17.5-point dog, uh, I mean, favored in, in this case, favorite, I got to take OU yeah. minus the 17.5. And, and finally, I hate to say this one, Chris. You can see behind me my Nebraska helmet. I see it. Nebraska is playing Northwestern. Okay. Northwestern is 11.5-point underdog. I got to take Northwestern plus you those points. got to take Northwesterns. Nebraska just, does not have a scoring offense. That's, that's a lot just, of points. That's a lot of points, man. That's a lot, a lot of points. I hope, and Joel, I hope I'll put it out there into the world, that Nebraska murders Northwestern and you lose that bet. I hope I, I, hope I, I lose that bet. I would rather you lose that bet. Yeah, so would I. I just, man, I, let, wow. All right. So, sorry. Lions over Ravens plus three. Too easy. Packers and Broncos, who cares? Who cares? I was reading an article this week um, off of Sports Illustrated. It was an opinion piece that said Broncos just need to bite the bullet and cut Russell Wilson, cut their losses, and try to start over something new. Sean Payton needs to come in there and give it. And I and they're right. They're right. Russell Wilson is not the franchise quarterback he was in Seattle. Right, and I, and I think I sent you that picture of Russell Wilson holding the the uh, trophy, and it said, "This picture looks more and more AI the more and more I look at it," <laughs> um, because they need to go. So I I'm literally picking the Packers at negative one, okay, over the Broncos. Like they just have to win. Broncos are a mess. I agree. Right. The, yeah. Let's ride. Um, I got Chiefs over Chargers because they're giving me five point five points. That's five point five. That that's a good. That's a. I see. I see your logic. But as right. a Chiefs fan, the Chiefs just play everything close. They don't know right. how to blow teams out right now. Um, and I'm gonna end mine with a very controversial pick that I'm gonna need your help in consoling with because I'm gonna be crying through most of it. Uh, Dolphins Eagles. That's my Super Bowl preview, by the way, folks at home. That's my Super Bowl preview. Dolphins Eagles. There it is. Um, and then the Cardinals have seven point five over the Seahawks. I'm not oh saying the Cardinals are going to win, right? But if you look at the Cardinal games, they're one of two things. They're blowouts or they're super close. And Dobbs is developing pretty well over this season. So I think that this is going to be closer than a two-score possession. I, I think you're right on that one. The Cards, they they beat the Dallas Cowboys. And I do right. believe the very next week they played a very close game as well. So the they Niners, might be yeah. figuring things out. Now, the problem right. there is that Kyler is getting healthy. You need to keep Kyler on the sidelines. They He's do. a menace to your team. Right. So as long as he stays on the sideline, I like the pro progress the Cards mm -hmm. have made. And I like getting seven and a half points. So I, I, right. I actually think that's a decent pick. And this is the gut-wrenching one. And it... Vikings Niners. Vikings Niners. The Vikings have a plus six and a half points. And I'm I don't, picking I, the Vikings. I, I'm I, picking the Vikings over the Niners. I do not see that one. I, I got to tell you, the, the 49ers lost last week. The first loss in Purdy's career as a right. starter. Right, right, and right. you're telling me that they're not going to rebound? I'm telling you that they're not going to beat the Vikings by six and a half points. Okay, it's going to be a, like a three-point win by the by the 49ers. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I think the win is going to be there. My problem is, is six and a half points after a demoralizing loss. But I will say this: I Browns. do, I do think the Vikings are a good team. They, uh, the yeah. Chiefs played them pretty close a couple weeks ago. Um, That's another reason. I'm six and a half points. Like you yes. have. 
I, I try to explain this to my wife and she's like, oh, just pick the Niners. I'm like, you have to pick the spread. What do you think the spread is going to do? It's not that I love them with all that is in me, but six and a half points. It's the same thing with cards, right? Seven and a half points over the Seahawks. The Cardinals aren't going to beat the Seahawks. You right? picked the, but ah. you picked against your 49ers. I picked against my Cornhuskers. So this is a bad week for us. So, hey. Bad blood. Chris, it's been a great week, a great podcast. Thank you so much. And hey, if you listeners, if you enjoy this podcast, give us a five-star review. If you don't enjoy this podcast, then why are you listening right now? I have no Love idea it. how you don't have better things to do with your life. So <laughs> hey, have a great week and go Big Red, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a complete and utter mess. Sean Wynn and 15 Five Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for our marketing efforts. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Tri- Plus City Marketing for our technical and computer support. Mm-hmm.